Welcome to Meraki Mentors, a podcast featuring women who create. We interview creatives from every field and around the globe to discuss art, risk-taking, and what it means to live a creative life. Here's your host, Candace Howes. Don't you just love making new friends on social media? Micheline Wilkerson and I stumbled upon each other a few years ago on Instagram and immediately clicked. I've been inspired by her work with Soul Elevated and her amazing photo skills, so it was refreshing to say the least to sit down for this interview to talk all things creative, curating, and freelancing. We touch on quite a few things from building network to fighting social media trends to what makes a good curatorial eye, and you have to hear Micheline's thoughts on patience. So welcome back to Meraki Mentors Podcast. This is your host, Candice House, and I'm so happy today to um, share with you one of my amazing artistic friends who I met on Instagram, and we'll talk a little bit um, about that later, um, but she's just very talented and does some amazing things in the arts and yeah, so we're going to have a great conversation today, and I'm so excited for you all to meet her as well. So today we're talking to Micheline Wilkerson, and I'm just going to start off by, first of all, just saying thank you for being here and spending some time with us today. Of course. I'm so excited to. This is great. Yes, I am excited too. Um, and so I know, like I just mentioned Instagram, and we were just talking about this Um I don't know. I feel like it has been maybe a couple of years. Um, I can't even remember. I was just like looking up um, different like creatives. So first of all, I have to say like Instagram is like my favorite social media platform just because that's where most of my friends are. And that's where I get my inspiration. Like I'm on there all day just scrolling and like being inspired by these wonderful people. Um, and during like one of those just scrolling days, um, I know I came across your profile. And we just kind of like hit it off and clicked kind of being inspired by the things that um, each of us does um, in the arts. So I guess we can just start off by kind of hopping your soapbox and kind of tell us what you do and where you're from and kind of how you how you spend your days. Um, I was born and raised in Staten Island, New York, Um, went to school in Boston, studied business, then I graduated and then freelance in photography, then worked in publishing. (laughs) Now I have been working in startup land, but right now I am uh, curating and building up an arts community called Soul Elevated. Awesome. That is fantastic. Um, And I know that's definitely one of kind of the main things I wanted to talk to you about, which is Soul Elevated and just kind of sharing with us what your inspiration was behind this idea. Yeah, you know, see, I I wish I could just come up with this really inspiring story on how I came up with this page. But really, um, so... So backtrack to being a photographer. So I've been doing freelance photography for the past three, almost going on four years now. So when I graduated college, I was like, look, I'm not going into corporate America yet. I'm like, I'm not trying to give up my freedom. Um, And uh, yeah, so I kept freelancing because I already learned how to make money from it when I was in college. But you know, it was good. I was getting some good gigs and I was covering a lot of concerts and a lot of corporate, big corporate events. But I was like, I feel like I was getting pigeonholed. 
um, into that. And it was just like, yeah, candid smile, like cheesy um, marketing stuff. And I'm like, this is not what I want to do. Um, you know, I mean, like it pays the bills, but do I really want to do this? I'm like, I need more inspiration because these people are just trying to put me in a box. So, um, yeah, so I was on Instagram because Instagram is the best. And I was always just like, before there was a save button on Instagram, which the save button has saved my phone because before that I was just screenshotting everything I liked on my phone. Yes. Yes. My phone was full of screenshots. Like, it was bad. Oh my God. I'm so glad someone like relates to this. Like I don't like feel like a creep. Um, well, less of a creep because <laughs> my phone, um, it had gotten so filled with these screenshots that like my memory was just gone. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like what's taking up all my memory? And then I look and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's all the screenshots. And I literally had about 5,000 screenshots on my phone of inspiring photography. And, you know, I was like, but wait, I don't want to get rid of all this because this is stuff that's inspired me. So what did I do? Um, I used my college email, Google Drive, because I already graduated and because that's what adults do, um, because I had unlimited space. And I put all those screenshots up there. And I think that was when, that was the moment when So Elevated started brewing in my mind, because when I was looking at all of those pictures, I saw so many aesthetics emerging. Like, you know, I didn't really know like my particular taste you know, but it was kind of like just seeing it blown up on the screen. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow. Like I have a, I have taste, you know? And then I saw this, but then within that, you know, there were so many different styles that I was drawn to, but then, you know, the style that I became most drawn to was that minimal retro electric, colorful, um, Afro retroist, Afro futurist, like, you know, vibe. And I was like, oh, wow, like, this is really cool. Because the other stuff, like, you know, the other stuff was like, really dope. But it was like, I hadn't really seen anything like what I was seeing, you know, for so elevated. Well, at that time, just a bunch of screenshots. I didn't see that colorful, you know, soulful, like, contemporary soul train, like, kind of vibe. You know, because when you look at colorful pages, a lot of them are like either like blogger bubblegum pop. And I don't want to I don't want to say it's corny, but it's like it has a very it's its own very particular feel with it. And I was just like, no, this is this is really different. Um, So then that's when I made a mood board and I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is what I want my work. This is what I want my photo work to look like. So the mood board was just you know, the mood board was just like inspiration for me. But then I started, but then I was like, wait, like I see this as a lens for black media. And that was kind of like my first aha moment because, you know, I think one of, I realized a few things when I was looking at that mood board and I kept dwelling on it and I kept getting excited and it was like, it was really weird. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I get to highlight emerging black photographers and, you know, people just really dope, young, creative black people. Because mm-hmm. when you look at 
the Instagram landscape, there's there's obviously so much space and now it's so saturated with natural hair bloggers, fashion bloggers, um, and then anyone who does mm-hmm. like a clickbaity, like yes. natural hair, black girl magic type of photo shoot. And of course, like these people, yes, they are, you know, black girl magic and black boy joy, but you know, it doesn't, I'm not trying to do something. I'm not trying to curate in a way that other people have already done. So that's how So Elevated got started. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, I have always, I, I've always um, wanted to do something in black media. Down. I love storytelling, hence why I used to work in publishing and magazines. Um, and I was like, wow, I feel like I've finally found my own lane for doing that. So that's pretty much how it got started. What I really love is the idea of, you know, so we have this idea of, of curating, which is like really... Um, really really easy to do especially on Instagram I feel like a lot of people even who aren't familiar with that idea or feel that they aren't artistic are doing a lot of curating of images and people without even realizing it but I like that you were bringing awareness that you didn't want to do this in a way that everyone else is doing because that's really hard to do especially on social media like you see someone who's doing something cool and you're like oh my gosh I want to do that but then you feel like you have to use them as some type of, um, you know, skeleton or like guideline of this is how it should be versus really trusting that, okay, I want to do this too, but this is how I see the world. This is what I'm drawn to and I'm going to do it my way, if that makes sense. Exactly. So it's so easy to get caught up in the, I want to do what's popular. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's really, really easy get caught up in that and I I didn't want to do that because there's so much room for innovation there's so much room to share something new why do we keep sharing the same things and you know I have become so flustered with mainstream culture I'm just like I, I don't even really want part of it anymore you know how about we give a seat at the table to people who are trying to grow you know, and give room for different styles because I think we need that in Black entertainment and Black media right now. I mean, I look at some of the biggest powerhouses and of course I respect all the work they've done for the culture because they've been doing it for the culture since before I was born. So I can't really say anything, Um, but it hasn't really evolved over time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I look at these larger platforms and you know i'm pretty sure y'all know who they are Mm -hmm. (laughs) we still look like we're in the martin era and you know we need more offerings out there and in the social media world it's you know it's i don't want to see people's bedroom selfies forever like i don't want to see people recording in a room forever i want to see something more creative than that like come on like give me a break you know so it's just about creating space for those people you know, and giving them a place to show their work. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm glad that just thinking about this, you know, you think about different things. Um, and it is so important to be yourself and to put yourself out there. It makes me think about, um, you know, the, the Vogue cover this month, you know, with yeah. Tyler Mitchell and just how different his photography is. And the idea that there's all of these people, like you said, out here who are doing very creative things, very innovative things, who are really showing us the world through their lens and really just being able to have a space where we can encourage each other and say, hey, it's okay to break out of the mold. It's okay that you don't exactly follow, you know, the prescription that, you know, viral media is telling us we need to have to succeed. Yeah, I agree with that heartedly you know and one of the things one of the biggest things I also learned which is you know ironic because I, I've learned it but I also have to learn it like really learn it and back to when you were saying about viral media um you don't mm-hmm. need that you don't need a lot of followers to win no and that's something I have to get through my, it's something I understand conceptually, but I'm still trying to get it through my head because obviously there's like, you know, the pages that are like super huge and like, okay, like, can I get my verified blue check mark now? Like, but that was one of my greatest learnings in, since graduating college two years ago. Um, and particularly because when I was working in publishing, I was working in children's books. Like, isn't this all like really ironic? Um, and I was working to the president and I was the assistant to the president and publisher of Random House Children's Books, right? And my boss mm-hmm. is literally the publisher of Harry Potter. Like she has a piece of JK Rowling's fortune and you look at her, you wouldn't even know who she is. Like, does she have a social media? No. Um, you know, like, but she's got power. Um, and she's got a piece of that billion dollar fortune, you know? Exactly. So like, look, um, and then I have this other amazing, amazing, um, mentor. His name is Larry Ose Mensa. Um, he's an art curator, black art curator in New York. Um, he's pretty influential and, you know, he's got like 8,000 followers on like Instagram and okay, that's more than what I have, but you know, it's not, it's not Mm -hmm. 50,000. It's not a hundred thousand, but he can make the introductions I need to take my stuff to the next level. You know what I mean? And that's really important not to get caught up in number chasing and sticking to doing really great quality work and making sure your work gets out there in the real world as you know um because i've seen people who have massive followings and now they don't know what to do with it like okay i have like six figure following but you know besides a like on my page it's really hard to get my audience to do anything else so you know, I'm trying to appreciate the place I'm at right now. And the fact that I have a really, really, um, loyal, uh, engaged community and just figuring out how to grow that and being patient with the process. And then I think another thing I just want to put out there too, is, you know, for the people who have smaller followings, like, you know, don't be ashamed of it. Like just keep producing like quality just focus on the quality of your work and making sure that you're putting, embedding yourself in the right networks. I think that's probably, and that's the most important thing because before social media, it was embedding yourself in networks. And if you can, 
which is something, you know, like I'm still learning and doing every day. But like, if you can get yourself in front of the right people, those are the gate openers, you know, who can introduce you to new opportunities to grow your audience, you know, or give you some sort of credibility that you need to take your work in the next direction. So, um, you know, and honestly, this influencer thing, like, it's going to die out. Like, it's already dying out. And I saw it in publishing. Mm -hmm. And for instance, like YouTubers, there is a period in publishing when people were just handing out seven figure deals to YouTubers because they have these massive audiences, you know? So it's like, you have these YouTubers getting like seven figure deals and then their book launch, which is like in publishing, like the first week is like really, it's like critical. Like you can pretty much tell the trajectory of where this book is going like the first week and they get these seven figure deals, but then the launch week, they only mm -hmm. sell like 20,000 books, which is a disaster. And what, you know, the learning is, is that, you know, okay, just because you have a large following doesn't mean that you can actually sell anything. It doesn't mean that your audience, you know, is loyal. It just means that you have people who are interested in you perhaps, or, you know, just like watching you. And that's really, and that's great. And that's amazing. But it's also passive as well, to an extent. No, it, it absolutely is because we, and you know, and people throw around like these terms of like engagement, everything all the time. But it's so true because if you are out there, like there's the meme that goes around. It's like, you know, if there weren't hair pages, like who would really be following us? <laughs> but it's like, you know, just having numbers, but nobody cares or nobody is collaborating. Um, you're not going anywhere with your conversations, with your content. It's not going to mean anything. And I've been watching, like, so I'm always really interested in, like, people's journeys and, like, how they got to where they are. So I've been following a lot of the directors from, um, which are, like, all-female directors of different backgrounds and ethnicities that um, do the episodes for Queen Sugar. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because you go and like they're super talented and they've done these amazing things. You know, they're out here working on a really popular show. But like you said, you go to their Twitter or something and it's like 300 people, 200 people. Like there's people I went to school with who have like 10 times more followers than they do. But I think you're right. We have this idea now that, okay, if there's a ton of people over here liking me or following me or doing something that that means that I'm making an impact or someone is going to see me when that's not, that's not what's important at all. We have to be focused on, like you said, are we making connections with people that we can actually create things with who are going to give us solid advice in the field that we're doing? And are we moving in a direction that is quality and not so much, you know, what looks good when you hit somebody's page. Right. You know, it's a constant tussle. It's like, I want my verified blue check mark, but then I'm like, okay, like slow down, sis, slow down your roll. Like, you know, right. you get that verified blue check mark and then you have a hundred thousand people and only 200 people liking on yourself. You've got a bigger problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, like there's expectation that comes with that check mark. It's like, okay, if you get it and you get the followers, like people are coming because they expect something. It's like, now can you can you produce and can you lead up to what everyone 
expects to see when they come and they find right. you. That's a lot of pressure. I, I'm trying to be grateful for where I'm at, which is a constant battle every single day. Yes. But, you know, I'm learning. I think that's I think that's the important part. It is. It absolutely is. Like being constantly being grateful and constantly understanding that the journey and the process is just as important as where we're trying to get to. That is, that's something we have to be mindful of every single day. Preach. <laughs> it is not like sometimes I'm literally sitting here and I'm like been at the computer for three hours, written like eight words. And I'm like, Oh, I just want to like be done and everyone read everything I've written already. But it's like, no, this is, this is part of it. Trusting the process, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. It's like, I still don't have an answer for that, but everyone says it. So I keep, keep telling myself, it's like, all right, I'll, it's, it's going to happen one day somehow. And I know I wanted to ask you, so like, you know, obviously you're working as um, like a freelance photographer. Um, are there other platforms and mediums that you like to use to create or tell stories? Like, do you feel like that's something that you're constantly um exploring or do you feel like no like I do this and this and that's like it you know I used to I want to get back into it um more but I want to get back into photography and um videography more because over the past year I've slowed down with it a lot um because I, I think part of it is attributed to me living in New York and there are so many photographers who I admire, but it's really hard to produce anything that's really radically different in New York because if you're shooting outside, which is what I would do, I'm I'm really not into studios that much because I I love studio photography, I love portrait photography, but I one I have to learn it much more because I I was self taught, but then also. Mm-hmm there's a lot of work that looks very very commercial and I would never want my work to be that so it's really about doing some really deep studio scouting and making sure you have the proper equipment and you know and a really great concept to execute something different you know but out in general mm-hmm. New York it's kind of and also studios cost money and it's like hmm right. rent or this studio so you know i'm definitely shooting outside but when you're shooting outside new york is such an industrial city and it's very crowded it's very maximalist there's rarely any just mm-hmm. empty blank space or you know be like what's a beach in new york what is a beach? <laughs> what are colors? What are natural colors? Honestly, these are the questions you really have to ask yourself. And I was like, you know, I, I this this I may sound bougie, but I'm like, this doesn't move me. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I, you know, if I'm producing work, I want it to look like the stuff I'm sharing. I don't want it to look like yeah, so this chick with this grun this really grungy photography. Which I mean I could do that, but it's just I'm like I'd rather right. make stuff with colors. You know, I'd rather make stuff that's minimalist with lots of lines, lots of scale, you know, and just yeah, that's that's my 
style. Um, so yeah, but I do want to get back into it more down the line because I would, I really do want to, in the longer run, take Soul Elevated in the direction of being a production company mm. as well as being an editorial website. So I think it's really important to constantly refine my curatorial eye, but also refine my own creative direction. So I have a lot more potential that I'll be exploring more in the future, but right now I'm really just focusing on curating um, because it's so weird. Like I didn't even know what curating was before I started doing it. And like you said earlier, like most people don't even know that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what is this that I'm doing? Putting together no. boards and blah, blah, blah. Like I didn't know what to call it for a solid like eight months. I didn't even, you know, I'm not, I came from, biz school I I didn't go to art school so the and I mean I go to museums but I don't really look at you know the curator of this exhibition you know I don't you know one of the things because curating really is an art it's one of those things it's like you know oh you just put a board together oh you just mix and match colors and blah blah no no it's not just that it's a lot of research it's figuring out it's it's kind mm-hmm. of like good writing. It's got to have flow, you know? It's it It's got to yeah. have flow. It's got to be cohesive. It's got to be really well organized. You know, so that's, per- I a lot of my life, I look through the lens of writing because, I don't know, that just makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, it's got to have, and what I've learned is that it's got to have an experience, you know, and creating an experience is not, you know, a lot of people think that they can do it, but it's not easy, especially creating your own unique experience and not just doing something that someone else has already done and copying and pasting, you know? Um, and then on top of that, you have to stay on top of the scene. So it's almost like in a weird way, you're like this underground, like talent scout, mm-hmm. just looking for who's on the who's on the rise next and who has you know potential and you know who's that person that's like you're really like phenomenal unique and in alignment with what how i see the world um and how you know it's just yeah it's just like you know seeing that person when they're at a thousand followers and not a hundred thousand. Absolutely. What, um, what would you say like outside of, you know, like you said, like having a good eye for things, like the certain aspect of curating that like can't be taught in a sense, but when you think about like continually refining your eye, what do you think is best at doing that? Like continually immersing yourself in art and constantly like consuming it in different ways? Or do you think the act of being like an artist yourself also helps with that that's a really great question I think and I think you know for anyone who's in business in general you can probably take this advice but in terms of curating what I am learning I still have a lot to learn because I'm a total rookie at this um who is gaining traction but what I'm learning Mm -hmm. right now is that in order to really stay on top of this, obviously, hands down, you have to stay involved 
and you have to be really involved in the world that whatever world or realm or field that you're like, you have to be involved. Like if you just stop for several months and don't look at new people, well, congratulations, you're behind by a lot. Um, so it's just that, so people who like researching a lot, but the other thing as well is that I don't think can really be taught is that you can't just look at just artists. You have to look at people who are doing interesting stuff. Yeah, I guess curating, it forces, you should force yourself to become a more worldly person. Um, Mm -hmm. And people think, oh, if I just stay involved in art, then blah, blah, blah. Like it's, you know, no, you have to, I think the people who are really great curators look across to different industries look at different fields and then they figure out a way to bring that plus what they know into their space it's like i think who said it i'm trying to think who said it was it steve jobs wife someone some rich tycoon's wife said that you like you should have a lot of idea sex like that's I think that's the simplest Mm -hmm. way of putting it, you know, and the idea is that taking opposite forces and bringing them together and mixing them Mm -hmm. and playing with them. It's a lot of play and seeing like, okay, it's, it's seeing, it's seeing, I'll keep it simple. It's seeing AI, it's, it's seeing AI and mixing it with, so like you know uh art you know it's that kind of thing yes but of course you can take anything Mm -hmm. that you're seeing happening and then mix those things up so you can't be a person who has a very strict tunnel vision and then that the thing about curating is it's very easy to get stuck in tunnel vision too right because you're like this is how i see the world we have to constantly keep expanding how you see it. You can't just always stay in one lane. Um, you know, you have to constantly see the world in new ways. So it's that, and then it's staying on top of what else is happening in the world and then figuring out how can you bring that back to the arts and advance the arts. Absolutely. And I I love the idea of what you said about like being more worldly because you do find you know when you're in those spaces if you're in a museum you're at like a showing wherever that I always find there's the most interesting people there to talk to who can just randomly tell you about something you've never heard of before and I think having that kind of experience or knowledge or just interest really does help to it really helps to inform the work that you're doing, whether you're an artist, whether you're curating, whether you're just, you know, a patron of this entire thing, it helps to really kind of inform and enrich the entire experience that you have versus, like you said, staying in your lane and being like, I just look at sculptors or I just look at painters or whatever Mm -hmm. your thing is. Exactly. And I would say the last thing when it comes to curating, you know, is that you have to be obsessed with the how over the what. It's an obsession. Um, for me, it's a total obsession, total, total obsession. And, 
I'm very meticulous. So you have to be someone who is who is primarily macro, but then you have something that you're really just micro on. So, and just really obsessed with, like really, really obsessed with how it plays out. You know, when someone opens up a book, right? What's the first thing they're going to land on? How are these chapters going to be outlined and mapped out? You know, it's, that's the other thing that can't, I, I would say can't be taught and has come intuitively, very intuitively for me. I know that, and this was probably like, you know, like a couple of minutes back, you were talking about having like such an amazing network of different, um, photographers and people that you know and I would just love to get like your perspective on how important you think it is to have some type of network or community of people as a creative person like whether they're in your same city or you all are like chatting online or somewhere but just like how important is that like obviously art in a way can be like an isolating thing you need to go and like do your thing but like, in what ways would you say, like, someone, like, you need to go out and, and get your tribe together? Yeah, I, it's, it's so important, um, you know, and I think the first thing is having a community is just important because, like you were saying, people who understand your day-to-day life, um, mm-hmm. I can't, you know, you can't really find deep support from people who don't understand what your day-to-day life looks like. You know, um, yeah. it's hard. It's going to be hard to get the investment banking friend to understand like, well, my bank account today, um, I have this audience that I'm growing in this really dope community, but now like, how do I monetize it? Like, you know, mm-hmm. your investment banking friend more than likely more than likely will not understand building something from the bottom up because they exist in a existing infrastructure um with lots of resources already so you know that hunting for resources they're like yeah you're doing a great job just like keep going you know yeah just do that you know but it's like okay but see like i also need someone who understands like I need to cry about this and just have a moment. And they're like, you know what, sis? I got you. Like, <laughs> listen, it's like, or the person who's like, you know, the artist who's like, well, I just got featured in the New York Times, but like, I'm still broke. You know, you need people who understand. So mm-hmm. I think that's one level of support that is just needed. Um, you know, but then the other thing too is that I've realized that it, think the other part about I think the other reason why it's really important to have creative communities um is thinking about it from the perspective of wealth right and I know that's probably a weird direction to take it mm-hmm. but I realize that wealth this is how I see wealth and power I, I see wealth and power through three different lenses obviously money, 
space, physical space. And that was something I did not realize how critical it is to have physical space until I graduated. And then your network. Um, if you have those three things, like you can pretty much rock and roll. Um, but yeah, it's really important for creative communities to come together so we can build our own networks and eventually create our own space. Um, yes, you know, and that's really, really important. And it wasn't until this, I realized how, how fragmented the creative community is. There, there really isn't, even with So Elevator, mm-hmm. there's not really like one cohesive community that we're all just hanging out at. Because by even having a page, you, every person has their own community. There's a, there's a likeness there, you know, there are people who follow because it's like, it's similar to them, their ideas, blah, blah, blah. That's really important to have, um you know, to create and form consistent Mm -hmm. communities. And what I mean by consistent communities is communities are active, that are present, that aren't just ghosting, that are like, you know, that are bubbling. Um, So that's, that's really, really important. Community is power. And beyond So Elevated, I currently work at The Wing. Um, so the wing is a all women's co-working space, um, you know, that started in New York and the wing is, and that's actually one of the reasons why I started working at the wing, because I wanted to learn how do you build really engaged communities and create space for them, like actually create space. Um, So I think the wing has been very successful at having a physical manifestation of women who want to empower each other Um, and doing that in a way that's like, you know, contemporary, like girl bossy, like, well, not girl boss, David, (laughs) Um, you know, feminist, like, like neo-feminist, like, you know, manner. I I just said that. (laughs) terribly but oh well um but um yeah they've been really successful at congregating women in one space yeah absolutely and I'm so so like I had I didn't even know that like um you work there but that's so awesome like I remember there was a whole um article about them I feel like it was in the times or something Mm -hmm. like the end of last year and I remember reading it and just being like this is this is so awesome that they were able to come together and and like you said, not only create space, but just create an entire environment for women to be able to come together and realize their ideas and work. Because it can be hard not only obtaining these things, but just getting people in a collective to get around the same goal and the same idea and finding those right. people to do that. You know, and when it comes to like black business as well, or just advancing black artistry, it's gonna be it's gonna be critical mm-hmm. that we have a community. Like, it can't just be, well, okay, there are brands and entities like Beyonce. Like, she can stand on her own. Like, she doesn't need a community. Um, But for the emerging people like us, it's going to be critical 
that we have a group, you know, um, Mm -hmm. to be able to move the powers that be to actually do something. You're absolutely right. Like, yeah, I couldn't have said it any better myself. In your own work or in like observing other people, even in terms, even as just like a freelancer and, and navigating that whole space, like what have you found to be your greatest challenges and like what do you do to to kind of offset those um you know freelancing goes back to networks too right um and i know when i first started freelancing in new york it was a it was a challenge um at first because you, you need a network like you can't just be like yep i'm gonna be a freelancer today which is that was the dumb assumption that I thought like when I was like, Oh, I have a great portfolio. Cool. Like people are just going to hire me. Ha, ha, ha. Like lies. I told myself, right. you know, because when I was in college, I didn't, what I didn't realize was I was already in a network. So, and you know, mm-hmm. um, I was around administrators and stuff who needed photos, who needed to do marketing for like the upcoming brochure. You know, so I didn't realize that, you know, it was like, you know, in my mind, I was just like, oh, they just want to hire me because it's like good work. But I didn't realize like, no, like you're in a network, you're in a college institution. And also right now you are currently because I went to Babson College, which is the all business school um, outside of just pretty much like outside of Boston. So if you know Wellesley College, like Babson is five minutes away um so yeah absent is all business like you go there business entrepreneurship like good luck if you're like well I realize I just love sculpting like you can't switch your major um because there are no other offerings but you know sidebar I think Babson you know was truly critical in my own entrepreneurial thinking and how I see the world because you know they taught me that entrepreneurship isn't just about like starting a business is about innovation you know so but yeah back to reality mm-hmm. um back to this freelance thing i had a monopoly on the campus which was lit right um so there were no other photographers you, you're not gonna find photographers on the campus so i just had a you know a very happy monopoly um collecting the bag and all these administrators just paying me and it was like the greatest side hustle in college because no one could compete with me and I could set like mm-hmm. really well at that time I was like in college I was charging like 50 an hour which was like a lot to me I was like yeah. oh my god I'm getting paid like 50 an hour and I'm yes. doing like at least like five six jobs a week you know and multiple hours for each so I'm like yes um you know um but yeah so when I stepped into freelance back in New York, I was like, yeah, I have a great portfolio, but my network was gone. So I had to pretty much start from slate zero all over again. And, you know, like I said, I didn't want to jump into corporate America after school. So I was like, oh man, how do I, you know, jobs aren't coming in as frequently anymore. Um, And there was actually one point I was traveling back to Babson to do like some freelance gigs. I was like, bro, like this is crazy. Like, why am I going to Boston to like do a freelance gig? Like, why can't I just go, like, to the city? Um, But then, you know, it was, it was just, you know, putting my work out and just saying, hey, I'm freelancing. Um, Does anyone need me? 
um and you know treat your college friends nice well treat people in college nice because you never know when you'll need them and that's not and i'm definitely not a kiss-ass person at all but it's really true you know um and uh yeah so then that's how i started getting back on my feet financially again which thankfully i had a good savings that i buffered myself in that time so i think saving is really important too as much as you can um a year and then i mean you also have to have side hustles right like a freelancer never has just like one hustle Mm -hmm. Like they're always doing like 1500 things. It's no. like, yeah, so I can like wash dishes, take photos and like, you know, um, talk on the phone with like, you know, handle your business and manage your calendar all at the same time. Like that's pretty much the life of a freelancer. And honestly, it's not for everyone. Yeah, I'm learning. It's not even for me necessarily. Like, um, mm-hmm. because you really have to have a really you have to have a really tough mind to be a freelancer. And, you know, I was like, hee hee, ha ha, you know, until my bank was like, hmm, I don't really think you could get this Chipotle. Like, and it's like, Chipotle is the lighter delicacy of life. Um, I definitely can't do brunch then because <laughs> I can barely do Chipotle. Um, so, you know, it's, it's it's uh it's not easy like you can never stop or like trust that oh like i've got these two people like i'm gonna ride off of them for the next like no no you really like you truly cannot like if you think that's what's gonna happen life's gonna smack you in the face um or better yet knock you out absolutely you know so you cannot you can you're you can never be too dependent on anything and it's a very unstable life so people who loves stability, which I ironically love stability. I love money. I love stability. Actually doing this whole soul elevated thing is very much like counter like my core. Um, you know, being being entrepreneurial is part of me. You know what I mean? Like entrepreneurial thinking, seeing innovation, but the actual execution of it and going through with it in dark times, it's not with my gut. Um, so you really have to push against that in freelancing mm-hmm. a lot as well. If constantly chasing and stress is not something that energizes you, don't do it. Absolutely. I would, I completely second that to everyone who's listening. Like, you need to know what you're ready for, what you're willing to do. Because it takes a lot of dedication, a lot of a lot of person. You know, and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I don't have the perseverance. Like, okay, like <laughs> tired. I don't feel like perseverance. You know, we always talk about the manifesting and let the universe come to you. And it's like, I'm chasing it. Mm-hmm. Like, and you get tired of chasing. Right. It's like, I have to chase for, and you have to chase for a long time. It's like I'm tired. I'm sick of this. Like. <laughs> deuces like get the drake meme like where he's like where he drops the pan like yo that's sometimes that's me like <laughs> me rocky picks i don't know for some people they're all kind of hard but i'm going to start with what i think might be the easiest one so that would be what is a restaurant that you love that you think like everyone in the world should go to i and I've had the pleasure of working with them before, and I love them as people, and they're just great. 
um logo seafood um in harlem they're really awesome um and they're like a really it's it's a black owned restaurant so yes yes mm-hmm. black people yeah but logos is this really awesome like mix of it's a seafood restaurant but it's also like this eclectic mix of like seafood and like caribbean like a caribbean twist on it it's a really cute colorful restaurant you know very tropical kind of feel they have like this outside patio that they built by hand um and it's just really cute and the food is like affordable and good and the owners are just really great genuine people um and you know like if you go there say that Michelin sent you awesome awesome um okay so what is what is a song that has currently been stuck in your head or on your playlist? And if you don't have one song, it's okay. It could be like an artist that you've been listening to. Oh, great. Um, someone who's been stuck in my head and my phone is Steve Lacey. Love Steve Lacey. Um, so Ooh. Steve Lacey, he is, um, he's one of, the members of the internet so if you love the internet say the kid like i do um, but steve has and i'm so glad that he broke out on his own because no one would have ever known how talented this dude is um on bass and then mm-hmm. as a singer and a producer um so he's phenomenally talented he has obviously that same funk soul that the internet has but he's really really talented i think he's gonna shift a lot in music um and shift a shift uh and bend genres what is a quote or like a piece of advice that you live by so trey melvin um who's a youtuber uh, he has his YouTube channel called This is a Commentary. It's mostly Ratchet TV, but he had this great video called Dear 18-Year-Old Me, and the whole video is just pure gems. But there is one part where he says, um, uh, you, he said, you don't have all, he said, you have all the time in the world. You don't have all the time in the world to be lazy and to procrastinate. But you have all the time in the world to do the things that you care about. You're young. You know, don't rush Mm -hmm. the process. Um, That was really important for me because I've been in this state of constantly rushing and being really impatient and, you know, both with the process and myself. And I'm learning I have to submit. You know, Um, and for someone who wants to control their fate and destiny, which is what the society um, dictates a lot of, you have to learn how to be patient with yourself and the process. You have to submit to yourself and the process. So I think that's really important um, because unlike what we see today, great things take time. They do. You know? They do. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a, it's, it's not a saying, it's a rule of the universe. You know, you think about the most beautiful things that you've seen in the world and, you know, like the canyons and stuff, those took millions and millions of years to form, you know? So Mm -hmm. 
you have to be patient with your own forming. And then the other piece of advice, again, Ratchet TV, well, not really TV, but Ratchet Podcast, um, The Read, anyone who reads The Read, I mean, anyone who listens to The Read, what am I saying? I love that podcast. And the episode is called Cheerleading, so it's a pretty recent episode, and Chriselle, who's one of the co-hosts, um, she was talking at the segment that she talked about probably I think it's around like an hour and a half mark or an hour and 20 minute mark but she starts talking about um her learnings in therapy um and one of the things is that you know she's Mm. like one of her her therapists had said you know are you gonna beat yourself through life or are you gonna cheerlead yourself through life and then her therapist was pretty much like okay just think about you know someone who's coaching and training to run a race, you know, are you going to be the coach that's yelling derogatory things to motivate that person? Or are you going to be supporting that person and be like, you know what, you got this, you got this, you could do this, like keep pushing yourself, you know? And she said this so brilliantly. I have to hang this up on my wall. Chriselle just, she really touched me when she said this. She said, I've gotten as far as I could in life beating myself. I've gotten as far as I possibly could beating myself. Now it's time for me to start cheerleading my way through it. Mm. And that really touched me because, you know, we beat ourselves. And I've been telling myself this, like, each day pretty much since she said it. Um, And I'm so grateful to her just for having this podcast and just for that moment. Because, you know, last month, you know, I went through so many things just mentally and emotionally, just I wasn't taking care of myself. Um, so worried about, you know, career. I'm so worried about, you know, am I going to be Forbes 30 in the 30? Like that kind of super superficial kind of thing. And I'm, I've really been my own biggest threat you know, to my own success. And when she said that, I'm like, yo, like I have gotten as far as I could beating myself. Like I can't, I actually cannot sustain this anymore, you know, because if I sustain it and give it more room to breathe, it's just going to end up in my own destruction in some sort of capacity in my life or in multiple arenas in my life. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know what? And this is going to be a journey moving forward. And, you know, I just got, you know, just recently um, signed up for therapy and I'm so grateful now. So I think anyone who is on an entrepreneurial journey, anyone who has to be in the PWI corporate world and trying to navigate their blackness and then being a professional and doing a great job at all of it, you know, get therapy, you know, if you can. And, you know, if you can't find a therapist, um, there are phone lines that you can call you know, you can just Google them and just talk to random people. Yes. Um, and I'm, trust me, I am nowhere near where I want to be, but I wrote down yesterday, like, I want to wake up and feel filled in the morning, not just waking up reacting to the day, but I want to wake up feeling filled and not anxious mm-hmm. when stressful situations come my way and not beating myself and, you know, being my own like worst enemy i can't do it Mm-mm, not anymore i'm tired of it and you know and that has even led to me 
cutting. I, I'm pretty much starting back from slate zero all over again. And we can all choose to start all over again at any point. So that'll be my last word. I think that is a, a beautiful thought to end on that. Yes, we can always start over. We can always improve what we're doing. We can always take that time that we need to reflect and to, and to truly care for ourselves. And I think it's beautiful that, um, that so many people are talking about seeking that help and seeking that support so that we can truly live our lives as full as possible and not just simply surviving through it. Is there um, anything you would like to share with us about where we can find you, follow you, as well as Soul Elevated, and just keep up with all of the fantastic things that you're doing. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at soul, S-O-U-L dot elevated, E-L-E-V-A-T-E-D. So that's where I am right now, just doing Instagram. Awesome. I can't put myself on five social medias at once. It's way too much. <laughs> it is so much work. It's way too much work. Like one is enough. <laughs> <laughs> one is enough. Well, again, thank you so, so much for being here and just dropping so many gems and just just being like a beautiful light. Like this was awesome for me and I know for everybody listening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Remember to rate or review us on iTunes, Facebook, or your favorite podcast app. You've been listening to Meraki Mentors Podcast with Candace Howes. We're honored you chose to spend your time with us today. To learn more about today's guest or the podcast, visit MerakiMentorsPodcast.com. Don't forget to create and connect.